Y'all good? We're good. How did getting back to school go for some of y'all? How many of y'all are terrified about tomorrow? How many of you parents are like, oh, yes, Lord, tomorrow, back to school? Well, good. Uh, I'm Rick Ivey. I'm the pastor. If you're visiting with us today, uh, glad that you're here. Uh, if you have not done so, you still have time to fill out that part of the bulletin that's got your information. And one of the things I want you to start thinking about and praying about is that in just a few weeks, we're going to have that Burgers and Bluebell event. And it is a wonderful way for you to find out about the various classes and groups that we have as a church. And I would like for you to start thinking about, you know, what, which one of these is God calling me to? Or maybe it is that you need to get into a Sunday school class. Uh, whatever the case might be, be thinking about that. And then the other thing is next week, uh, y'all have an awesome opportunity to come see the student ministry of your church, do a great job of leading worship. And um, I don't have to preach next week. And uh, so I'm going to go fishing. Um, I'm kidding. Um, I can't wait. I can't wait to see... Uh, them lead worship and, and do great things. So be sure you're here for that. I'm wrapping up my series on Galatians today. I'm just out of the book. I'm, I'm done. There's just not enough letters for me left in the page to write another sermon. I, I could probably do it. I'm a pastor. We can, we can stretch things out quite a bit. Uh, but uh, we're going to finish it up. And if you have not heard the rest of the sermon series, then it's okay because this last part is uh, Paul summarizing. Uh, his own words, and uh, why this matters so much is because in just a, a few sentences, in just a few words, Paul summarizes the great news of Jesus Christ. And it's this great news that makes stories like the video that you saw in a moment ago happen. Um, when I was first a Christian, if you had told me, you know, Jesus can help people get off of drugs, or Jesus can heal marriages, or Jesus can uh, help people get back on track in their life, uh, I would have said, well, you know, that sounds good, but probably not. And now, uh, after, you know, many years of ministry and following Christ, I just can't tell you how many times I've heard similar stories, amazing stories uh, of people whose lives were in a horrible place, or they were wrecked, or they just couldn't get things right, and then they started following Christ, and, and things turned around in a, an amazing and powerful way. And so that's why the good news of Jesus Christ matters. That's why we're so committed to it as a church, uh, why I believe in uh, preaching it as often as I can, because it changes lives, it helps people, it changes communities, and uh, does such wonderful and powerful things. Uh, and even, you know, even if I wasn't a pastor, I, I just, I believe it's so important to share this good news with the world that we're a part of. So, Having said that, let's, uh, let's look at this wonderful passage today. And if you are hurting, if you're struggling, if you are far from God, or you're just beginning to start off in this faith, then this is going to be really helpful for you. Paul, in uh, chapter 6, verse 11 of the letter to Galatians, he says, Look at the large letters I'm making with my own handwriting. And why this is important is that uh, back in the day of Paul, uh, they didn't have word processors. You didn't have Microsoft Word and so the best way to get a letter across is to have a professional do it. And somebody would sit down and they would write out what you said and it would be legible, you could read it. You know, it wouldn't be like my handwriting where you'd have to have a translator. Anybody else have handwriting so bad that you get to the grocery store and you go, what is mulk, right? I need a gallon of mulk, 
right? And, and this is, uh, I don't know if this, Paul's handwriting is that bad, but it, this is what's happened. He's changed over from the person that had written up till now, and he's beginning to write his own words. And he's doing it for emphasis, and he's doing it for the people that are reading it to let them know this is important, this matters. I, I give my full authority and my conviction and my belief behind it, and uh, I'm writing it with my own hand. And he goes, whoever wants to look good by human standards will try to get, get you to be circumcised, but only so they won't be harassed for the cross of Christ. And what he's saying uh, is, in the nutshell, in the whole letter, he's saying that uh, those people that have been pulling you away from Christ, those people that have been leading you astray, uh, the people that are in the churches of Galatia that are taking them away from the good news of Jesus Christ, he's saying they want you to follow the old law. They want you to do it the old way. They want to add on to the great news of Jesus Christ with customs and rituals. And one of those ways would be circumcision. And he's saying that um, they are leading you astray. They're taking you away from where God wants you to be. And the reason they're doing it is because they don't want to be harassed for the cross of Christ. You say, well, what's the big deal there? Um, well, if you'd come from their background, their tradition, and all of a sudden you said, but because of Jesus Christ, all of these laws, all these customs, all these rituals don't matter, you're going to offend some people, right? That's what would have happened. And he's saying they just don't want to be, they don't want to be persecuted for it. They don't want to be uh, troubled by it. And he goes on in verse 13, those who are circumcised don't observe the law themselves. So, you know, they want you to follow all these rules. They want you to follow these rituals. They want to put all these burdens on your shoulders, and yet they don't do it themselves. But they want you to be circumcised so they can boast about your physical body. You know, he says, um, I want to be able to boast about how you look, how you're doing, uh, your outward appearances, um, how you dress, how you behave. Those are the things that these people want to boast about. And then he gets to verse 14, and he says, all those outward appearances, all those achievements, all those things, they really don't matter. And he goes on to say, but as for me, God forbid that I should boast about anything except for the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's just pause there for a moment. And if you are new to the faith, then I want you to see that one of your major goals as you grow in your faith, as you become a Christian, is that you learn how to boast more and more in the cross of Christ. And what does that mean? It means that that becomes the center, the focus, the most important thing in your life is that cross of Jesus Christ, all right? That if, if you're new to the faith and you're saying, well, how do I know more about God? How do I understand God better? How do I get a glimpse of who God is? Or how do I grow in my faith? Step number one, begin to put that cross of Jesus Christ at the center stage of your life, at the center of your heart. Say that this matters more than anything else, okay? And to those of you who have been Christians for a long time, maybe you're burnt out, maybe you're used up, maybe you're tired, um, whatever the case might be, I would say to you, what you need to do is put the cross of Jesus Christ at the center of your life, the focus of your heart, the center of everything that you do. Either way, that's what's most important. And he goes, he goes on to say, he says, God forbid that I should boast about anything else. When I was a kid, I remember when I was about six or seven years old, and I began to hear from another room in our house, I began to hear my dad mutter some words that are not acceptable at church. Right? And I would get to say them because I would get in trouble. But you can imagine some of the words that are coming out. He's just fuming. He's angry. He's upset. And so I went into the room, and I, I, I found him, and he is uh, hunched over our family's vacuum cleaner. And he's angry because it has stopped working. 
And uh, he's doing exactly what many of us do when household appliances stopped working. Uh, he's kicking it, right? And he's kicking the vacuum, and he's saying words that, you know, uh, can't repeat in church. And uh, he, he goes through this whole mantra. He begins to say, I will never buy a Hoover vacuum. I will never buy a Hoover vacuum. I will never buy a Hoover vacuum. You know, and he's, he's kicking the machine, and he's threatening it, yelling at it. And if you own stock in Hoover vacuum, I apologize for this. But, but he was just adamant. He's like, I will never do that again. And to my knowledge, he never did that again, right? And even today, when I go to the store, when we shop for vacuum cleaners, and we're looking at all the possibilities, Hoover doesn't exist for me, right? It still, still doesn't exist. I look at it and I go, no, dad swore it off. I'm going to honor that, right? And uh, many of y'all might have them. They work just great. But for as in me and my household, right, we will not purchase those. And what is Paul saying? He's saying the exact same thing. He says, God forbid, you know, I, I don't ever want to go back to anything else. I want to boast in the cross of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And he says, that's, that's what's most important. And when you hear him talk about this, uh, not only this has happened in this chapter, but earlier in chapter two as well, he says, you know, because of the cross, I've been crucified to the world, and the world has been crucified to me. And in 2 Corinthians, when he writes to them, he says, when I came to you, when I began my mission work, when I started talking with you, I wanted to know nothing else but Jesus Christ and him crucified, right? And so when you look through his words and you begin to examine what was most important to Paul over and over again, you could point to this and you say, the cross of Jesus Christ, that's what mattered to him. That was what was so important. And he goes on, he says, the world has been crucified to me through him and I have been crucified to the world. What is he saying? He's saying the world doesn't control me anymore. I don't, I'm not controlled by the world anymore. The world doesn't make me happy. The world doesn't make me sad. The world doesn't make me indifferent. The world doesn't have control over who I am. It doesn't get to say who I belong to. The world doesn't get to dictate what my actions are. The world doesn't get to have control over my emotions or my feelings or my thoughts. He says, instead of that, because of what Jesus Christ has done for me, the world has been crucified, it's dead to me, and I am dead to the world. But then he goes on to say, you know, I'm not just a corpse, I'm not just a zombie. He goes on to say that what matters is new creation. And he's saying, I'm becoming something new. I'm becoming something new. So that is the, the powerful passage that's here. He's saying, you know, it's, it's no longer about your own achievements or what you've done or haven't done, but instead what matters is what Christ has done for you, what Christ has offered your life, and that you are moving toward the new creation. You're becoming something new, just like the very hungry caterpillar that we heard about today. We are becoming something new in Jesus Christ. And then he goes on, he says, may the peace and the mercy of beyond whoever follows this rule on God and on God's of Israel. So let's take a quick look at this, why it matters so much. Uh, well, first and foremost, we need to talk about the cross uh, from time to time, as if not, we don't need to cover it basically every week. And uh, well, we were hearing the children's sermon this morning, it reminded me, and some of y'all might just be like me, that um, we live in a culture where we tend to watch the beginning of a movie, fast forward through the middle, and then see how it ends. Anybody else do that? that you get on Netflix and you see a new movie and you're like, oh, I kind of think I know what's gonna happen next. And so you fast forward into the end. Am I alone in this? Used to be, 
You know, you do that with books. I like the beginning of things. And then I'm like, I kind of know how, what goes next. Let's see how it ends, right? And uh, when we, as Christian people, some of y'all are like, no, we would never do that. Act two is the best. Empire Strikes Back is the best, right? That we, you know, the, we look at the middle and we just kind of like, I kind of know how this works. Let's see what, how this ends. And uh, when, we, when we look at our gospel, the great news of Jesus Christ, if we just kind of fast forward and say, okay, heaven and new heaven, new earth, resurrection, it's all good, and we skip over the cross, we miss so much of the message that's there. But it's offensive. The cross is offensive. Oh my gosh, it is so offensive. Uh, you will be amazed uh, by how many people, when you tell them that Jesus Christ died for your sins and for your salvation, uh, they look at you like you have just uh, said the most horrible thing to them. I had a friend of mine who was a pastor in New Mexico, and uh, he was there for about a month and a half, and uh, all of a sudden, there were some, some people that started coming over to his office to meet with him. He said, we've got a problem. And he said, well, what's going wrong? It looks like things are going well with the church. He said, well, uh, you talk a lot about Jesus Christ and his cross. He's like, I'm a preacher, right? This is obvious. He says, but it makes us feel guilty. He said, could you just knock that off? Said, no. So, but it makes us feel guilty. It makes us really look at our hearts and our lives and, and see the problems that are going on in our lives. He said, that's exactly what it's supposed to do, you know? And uh, Paul, he says, you know, it is the, it's foolishness to those that are perishing, but the cross of Jesus Christ to those that's being saved, it is the very power of God. But the cross of Christ is sometimes offensive to people. In fact, I would say if it hadn't offended you lately, you may have fast-forwarded through it and not really considered how powerful and important it is. But with the cross of Christ, we are reminded of our inability to save ourselves. We're reminded of our powerlessness against sin and death. The cross reminds us of what had to be done in order that we might be saved, and it's no small matter, right? And when we talk about boasting in the cross, we're saying it's something similar like we boast in the electric chair, we boast in lethal injection, we boast in the hangman's nooth. We're saying that that's what we're bragging about, that Jesus Christ came and died for our sins and for our salvation on the cross. So it is offensive to people. Uh, one of my favorite writers um, who is in fact an atheist was uh, Christopher Hitchens. Anybody read Hitchens? I'm just on my own today. All right. Uh, that he, he wrote rants better than anyone else. If you ever want to, never mind. Uh, and he, but he even himself, he said, you know, the idea of somebody coming and atoning for your sins is just childish and immoral. Right? That over and over again, when you lift up the cross of Jesus Christ, uh, there will be people that are shocked and offended by it. But brothers and sisters, it's, it's kind of like bitter chocolate. That at first, it's, it's stunning, it's shocking, it's offensive, but if you just keep on working your way through that bitter crust, you get to the goodness and the chewy nugget of gospel, right? That at first, it is shocking, it is offensive, but when you get closer and closer to it, it's so sweet, sweet like honey. So, what about you? What about your own life? When you think about the place that the cross has in your life and, and why it should be center and the, the purpose, 
Uh, for me, when I think about it, I think about how it has transformed my life. For the longest time, uh, my struggle, my hurt, was thinking about, you know, am I doing enough? Am I achieving enough? Not only as a pastor, but as a parent? Am I doing a good job? I mean, I'm, I'm thankful for the fact that I live in this world, but one of the realities that we have in our world is that we are constantly bombarded by people telling us that we're not doing enough, we're not good enough, we haven't achieved enough. I have such a, a prayer life right now for, for moms. I mean, all the judgment, the ridicule, the criticism that comes upon them these days, oh, it's absurd. And when I think about how has the cross transformed my life, it's that there's in those moments when I tell myself I'm not good enough or I should be ashamed of something that I've done or that I've failed or I haven't succeeded. All I have to do is whisper back to those words. You say, yeah, but in the cross, I find glory. In the cross, I have salvation. In the cross, I have something that redeems and heals my life. And then when people come to me and say, you know, you're not doing enough, you're not achieving enough, you're not doing it well, you're not, you're not really as successful as you ought to be, I can simply look at them and say, you're absolutely right. That really messes with people, by the way. <laughs> but what is the good news? What's the gospel? It says that we are not enough, and we never will be. But because of what Jesus Christ has done, we can have salvation, we can have joy, we can have hope and our lives can be transformed and remade in His image, and that we can have new creation. So is the, the cross of Christ the center of your life? Is it what defines you? That when people talk about you, they would say, that is somebody that sees and understands the great value and the worth of the cross of Jesus Christ. If not, what else is it that has equal value? What else is it in this world that comes close to or can even compare to the greatness and the riches of Jesus Christ who has given his life for all of us? Uh, what is it that we need to ask for? What is it that we keep telling ourselves that if we just had that next thing or that next moment or the next experience, then, then we would be happy? And in Jesus Christ, we have all that we need. What else is it that we trust in? What is it that we put our salvation into and, and said, this is what's going to redeem me. This is what's going to save me. Is it our bank accounts? Is it our achievements? Is it something that we have done in the past? I don't know about you, but when I sort through resumes for people that are looking for jobs, one of my biggest red flags is if on their resume they have something that says, I was in honor band in high school or... I, was, I had a 3.5 GPA in high school. It's perfectly fine if they're 19. If they're 50, I've got questions, right? And Paul had a beautiful resume. He was the most religious person you can imagine. He was of the tribe of Benjamin. He was circumcised on third day. He, had, um, he was a Pharisee of Pharisees, a high priest of high priests. He, he had done everything imaginable. And he says, none of that matters. All that matters is the cross of Jesus Christ. That is what he would set his resume upon and say, that's, that's all I need to say, the cross of Jesus Christ. What compares to that? 
What are we worrying about in the future if we have the cross? Who are we trying to please if we have the cross of Jesus Christ? What is it that we're trying to achieve if we've already